Okay, I've got a question. What do a rash of home burglaries, a ragtag theater troupe, and Dayton's most-watched TV news have in common? Well, somehow, believe it or not, there are key plot points in 2023's Catch Me If You Claws. We've got a lot to talk about, Josh. We do, Jennifer. We'll unwrap it all on this episode of Do You Watch What I Watch? Buckle up, we've got a mystery to solve and Christmas to save on this episode, Jennifer. That's right, but first things first, help us grow our podcast. If you could like, comment, if you could subscribe, tell a friend, write a five-star review. Hey, we'll even read a review on the air or on the podcast stream waves, whatever you call it, if you leave us one. So we would be so appreciative. It really helps us out. Find all of the social links at doyouwatchwhatiwatch.com. So, let's get started. Here is the plot summary for Catch Me If You Claws, brand new out on Hallmark Channel 2023, Countdown to Christmas. Here we go. On the verge of her big break, aspiring news anchor Avery Quinn catches a home intruder wearing a red suit claiming to be Santa's son, Chris. That's all we get. Hijinks follow. Let's get into it. So we open to a fun little animated opening title sequence, which I actually thought was a nice touch. Usually we get some sort of big city scenery. This was more of an animated kind of a fun way to start this one. And I thought I it really, really liked this. Yes, yes. I want to see more of this. This was like, OK, Budge, with the uh, the high Budge sequence. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it set the tone quite nicely. Turns out we are in Dayton, Ohio, where our female lead, her name is Avery. She is anchoring the news, except she's not anchoring the news. She's actually practicing in the middle of the newsroom. And later she looks longingly on at the real anchors. She really, really wants the anchor job. We get that she's a researcher. She's a reporter. She's just starting out her career. A boss lady, Nancy tells her she's not ready to anchor the award-winning Channel 71 News. Her audition, it seems, did not really go so well, and Nancy says there's no second takes in the news, which is actually not true. Not that I would have any intimate knowledge of whether you can do second takes, but it's not really true. So. Well, I had to ask two questions. Channel 71. Now, in Nashville, all of our major news outlets are like 2, 4, 5, 17, like lower in the numerical sense 71 seems a little high is that does that is that just a natural thing that it just happens to be low in the numbers or is 71 like there can be some stations that are high numbers i've never heard of a channel as high as 71 so yeah that's really (laughs) i'd love to know where they come up with that but That's one of my lingering questions on the back end. Yeah, and my other question is not that you would have intimate knowledge of it, but does it ever go researcher straight to head news anchor? Or it would seem by my, well, both of us not really knowing, you would go like researcher, then maybe you're doing like some frilly bits like out in the world, like stage things, and then you get the head anchor job. Well, there's really not a researcher role in a newsroom, so it's more like a reporter. 
maybe a producer. So again, if you're going to do a TV news trope, I know a guy who might be able to provide you some, you know, pro bono consulting that would sort of give you the right kind of lingo, language, and scenarios that would actually sort of enhance this from a believability perspective. Just saying, I know a guy. <laughs> Anywho. Avery insists that she will be an anchor and she will find a story that only she can tell. Turns out she's the daughter of some hotshot newsy, national level lady, so she's feeling like she has some really big shoes to fill. Mom tries to offer some encouragement while they're chatting a little bit later that night. Turns out Avery's missing the family Christmas, so dad is super sad about it, but Avery says she's, quote, trying to establish herself, which is pretty true to life. I missed a couple of holidays myself back in my news days. Oh, see, there I let it slip. News days. The cat is out of Santa's bag, isn't it? Exactly. Whoopsie yeah. doodle. <laughs> there you go. Anyway. I had to laugh also, I'm sorry, one of the head anchors was named Bink Binkerson. <laughs> I was did wondering. I hear that right? You did. I was wondering if you would pick up on that. And yes. That's worse than Claire St. Clair. Bink Binkerson. Bink Binkerson. Doesn't really roll with the tongue. No, not at all. Not at mm -hmm. all. Anywho, Avery catches a news headline about some rampant rash of crime involving a Santa crook, and she winds up playing dress up in big girl clothes for the work Christmas party a little bit later. Turns out everyone is out sick or they're traveling for Christmas morning, and Avery, seeing her big shot, she pitches to her bosses to fill in as the anchor, and here we go. She gets the green light. Avery's going to be anchoring the morning news on Christmas morning in Dayton, Ohio. So she, period, is, period, jazzed, period. As she should be. Yeah. Big break. Did you like Avery at this point? What did you think about her as a character, Jennifer? First I was lukewarm on her. I was lukewarm. I did not like her. But she wasn't my favorite. What about you? Same. I wasn't quite sold on her as a main lead character yet. So we'll see. She goes home to open a big package she got from her folks with some promised Christmas presents. And so she wakens a bit later to some mysterious noise in her house. She carries an umbrella and she's wearing some sort of infrared light mask, presumably to take care of wrinkles. And she finds well, the other um, female anchor had told her that she maybe could use one. Yes. So I thought that was a nice tie-in that then she sh the next time we see her, <laughs> she's wearing it. And those things always really creep me out. I've gotten so many ads on Instagram for those things. I'm not saying they don't work. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like a white, I mean, but just picture a white mask with like the eye holes cut out, but it glows. And it's terrifying. It's like a screen mask gone wrong. It looks bad. exactly it like funny. that. Yeah, definitely a funny callback there. Anyway, she's got this umbrella. There's an intruder in her living room. And she wonders, is it the Santa crook that we heard about earlier? Because it is a mysterious man dressed kind of like Santa Claus. Avery, she's taking no chances. So she immediately grabs some Christmas lights to tie up his hands and feet. She pokes him <laughs> with the umbrella to wake him up. And he immediately claims to be Santa Claus. So here we go. Turns out he brought the wrong presents to the house. She is super skeptical because of that, and yet he still somehow knows her name. Hmm. Wonder why. It's kind of unclear to me at this point why her calls to the police aren't going through. She tried to call 911 several times and couldn't connect into 911. Was there some sort of outage in Dayton, Ohio that I missed, Jennifer? Yes, there was a storm. Oh. So the storm is why some of the other people couldn't get back to do the news, and 
So the storm, I guess, took the cell towers down is kind of what we're led to believe. Pretty severe storm for Dayton, Ohio. There you go. Big fat storm, but the Big lights were still storm. on, question mark. <laughs> right? Let's suspend a little bit of reality in this and just kind of go with it. Anyway. Yeah. So we cut to some sort of Santa helper guy named Dylan, who is absolutely freaking out that he has lost contact with Santa. Apparently, Santa uses Verizon, I guess. There's cell phones involved with communicating with Santa. Anyway, his phone rings from inside Avery's house, and instead of answering the phone, Avery grabs the phone and promptly breaks the phone. (laughs) Then, ever the journalist... She sees an opportunity to parlay this into her big hotshot story. So she gets Santa, whose name is Chris, by the way, kind of dressed to deliver the next door neighbor's present. She tries to test his knowledge with her favorite Christmas present. He kind of sort of gets it right, but she's still not convinced at this point. So they wind up going next door. They break and enter into the neighbor's house thanks to what I thought was kind of weird. He had some magical keys where if by some reason he's not able to get down the chimney, he can just bust out this janitor's ring of master keys that presumably open every lock in the world. Well, I'm glad they addressed that because as a little Jennifer, we did not have a chimney in my house or my grandmother's house where we spent many a Christmas. And so I was always very concerned. How is Santa going to get in? And I was told he has magic keys. So that's how, you know, now you know. I was yeah. so liked. So Luke McFarlane is playing Chris, the Santa. And since he's tied up, he's like scooting along with all these <laughs> tanglement of lights. And it just the physical comedy bit of that made me laugh. It was pretty funny. Old montage. Yeah. He clumsily drinks milk that's left out for him. And they try to leave. But here comes a random security guard in this neighborhood accusing her, Avery, of being his Santa's accomplice. Anywho, they wind up scampering from the scene with the security guard on his golf cart in tow. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> his name was Ricky, and I wrote, Ricky is a gem. <laughs> I really Ricky. liked Ricky. <laughs> Ricky is a gem. He is a Give doofy. me more Ricky. <laughs> he is a doofy security guard, if you've ever seen it. I loved it. Yes. Anyway, we're back from a commercial break at a mansion, out of nowhere, with a blaring alarm. Yeah. And a man has a perilous encounter with the real Santa crook. Apparently, he took everything from the safe, including some sort of flash drive, whatever that means. And a private security guard is on the case. So we get that there's real Santa and a female accomplice. And then there's Santa, Luke McFarlane and Avery doing this thing over here. So we've got two Santas, two women, mistaken identity, major crime spree flash drive, a lot of things happening pretty quickly. Yeah, and I was confused because I took that commercial break to scamper downstairs to get some Thanksgiving leftovers from my din-din, and when I came up, it was them in this mansion, or so I thought it was Luke McFarlane and Avery, and I was like, what did I miss? And I rewound it, I was like, oh no, I didn't, it was just a long commercial break. Yeah, so it was a little bit of an abrupt change of pace, but I I understand why they did it. Yes. We're back with Chris and Avery. She's spooked, and now she can't find her phone. He's desperate to get back to Christmasing for obvious reasons, and she demands proof that he is who he says he is. In the midst of the argument, he gets a vision, a vision of her most pivotal gift, which apparently is the proof that he needs to prove to her that he is, in fact, Santa Claus. And it's a journal that reads, dig deeper. And he says that to her. She is suddenly intrigued by the reality of it all, but she really doesn't have time to unpack that 
because the private security guy spots the car in the Santa Crook description on the scanner. It's Avery's car, and she knows who he is. So she smells a big, big, big story here, and they go in search of a phone. I got a little bit confused about what was happening with the security guy and another and security guy. And the flash guy, drive and the, and the other drive. guy on the street. Yeah. yeah, I got a little confused too. Yeah. Anyway, she wants to find a phone because she needs to talk to news bosses, presumably, figure it all out. Yeah. All this because she's trying to make it to the station to anchor the morning news. So this is like Christmas Eve into Christmas morning. Anyway, they wind up at the wrap party for a late night community theater performance of A Christmas Carol, which bonkers to begin with. Anyway. Super random, but I will give them credit. <laughs> it was different. Never seen this trope. It's not a trope. So I'll give them all the, the jewels on the crown for that one. It was super random. Super random. Anyway, the top guy, the guy in charge of all of this is a total theater geek. And he makes her audition to join their little theater troupe before letting her use the phone in the upstairs office. And I wrote in my notes, like, really? <laughs> You're going to make her do a monologue? They chant, monologue, monologue. <laughs> and she absolutely comes unhinged in this moment by the stress of everything that has transpired in the past 90 minutes. And she delivers a sensational rant about just needing to use the telephone. It is deemed brilliant by the audience. They give her a standing up ovation. She's in the theater troupe, and they lead her to the telephone. So, <laughs> a lot to go through to get to a phone. Yes. Chris, meantime, is holding court while she's upstairs on the phone, since he knows everything about all of their deepest Christmas memories. Avery is stunned, kind of a little bit speechless, when she comes back downstairs to that realization. She's beginning to believe that he's really, really Santa Claus in this moment, and they unpack the timeline together including the stolen flash drive, and realize they have just four and a half hours to crack the case. The theater troupe in the middle of their rap party, for some reason, happened to flip on Channel 71 News, which happens to be on in the middle of the night for some reason, to see some sort of random artist rendering of what winds up being Chris and Avery, because, of course, police are hot on the trail since the security guard showed up to her house, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. They are a little bit suspicious. The theater troupe folks are. Private security guy is chasing their footprints outside and calls someone, I'm not really sure who at this point, to say he thinks he's found them. So they're hot on the trail. Dylan, again, he's the Santa helper guy, has tracked them down and calls the community player rap party. He puts Big Big Santa on the line. So Chris's dad, who lets Chris have it, to set him straight because Santa is not impressed that his son is out gallivanting with Avery instead of delivering presents to the children of the world. I mean, my goodness, can you imagine the familial stress that it would be to be Santa's son? Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. The same sort of pressure she experiences being the daughter of this hotshot news anchor. So they are able to yeah, bond about that. put that together, really. Yeah, they're sense. able to bond about that throughout this whole thing. Yeah. And I guess they start to flirt at this point, kind of. Absolutely, because he tells her he's, quote, in the zone working alongside of her for all of these 90 minutes, apparently. And they are falling in love? Question mark? I wrote, we'll see. This is magic, sure. 
Yeah. Security guy pops in to check if Avery and Chris are at the cast party and the cast winds up covering for them. He's insistent on hanging around. So our leading couple, they put on some wigs and some costumes and hop in the troops <laughs> van in a pretty dramatic ruse. They jaunt off to Channel 71 News. They get dropped off and oh, no, a white van pulls up and security guy grabs them and shoves them in the back of the van. Now they're kidnapping victims. I was not up. expecting that. <laughs> not at all. No. They're tied up and they're interrogated about this dumb flash drive we keep hearing about. But of course, Chris and Avery have no idea where it might be because they don't know that there's a flash drive in play at this point. And I got to ask, when's the last time you used a flash drive? <laughs> right. Who's not putting that encrypted in the cloud somewhere? I mean. You got to put it, yeah, Google Drive maybe or something. But something. I can't even tell you if I still own a flash drive. I'm sure I do somewhere that I got you're for free. Looking, at some you're looking in your convention. I am. <laughs> I don't see any flash drives. Maybe I should go steal one. Nary a flash drive. Yeah, exactly. I guess I don't have very um, top secret documents and financial reports that I'm trying to hide on a flash drive. Maybe that's Yeah, let me see. Do I have one in my desk here? Nope. No flash drive. Can't find one. It's always like the equivalent of, and then they took the floppy disk I know, or the right? CD-ROM. <laughs> it's, like, it's not that outdated, but it already kind of is. That's yeah, it feels the a little outdated. Works, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Dylan gets a talking to by Big Big Santa. The white van is at another house and grabs a Santa and a female accomplice as they leave a house. Now, those are the real bad guys. So now... The guys in the white van have picked up Avery and Chris, and they've also picked up real Santa Crook and the female accomplice. So I was a little bit confused about how they knew to get the real Santa Crook. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think it's just like yokel, you know, guys helping beat crimesters and they got their wires crossed kind of thing. It's what mm. we're led to believe. Okay. Meantime, Chris and Avery talk about the plight of being the children of famous parents. So they do pond a little bit oh. over that. Security well, guy breaks that whole thing completely. I thought you put that together yourself. So, well, there you go. We get it. I must have been knee deep in a, some tryptophan or a casserole at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch it Thanksgiving night. Those <laughs> leftovers. Yep. Mm. Get you every time. Get you. Three. Every time. The security guy breaks into Avery's house in search of the flash drive, but Dylan happens to be there too. The other Santa and his female accomplice wind up being brought into the same creepy garage where Chris and Avery are being held back to back, tied together kind of thing. The flash drive is in the bad Santa's bag. Oh. And it turns out that there is some sort of 3 a.m. drop to a source, which means they have to get it someplace by three o'clock in the morning. Chris and Avery wind up escaping their captors, grab the flash drive, and they now know the address of where to show up. And they're about to blow this big story wide open. It's going to happen. She's going to make it on the newscast, the whole nine yards. This is Meanwhile, no stressful. children have any presents. <laughs> right. There are no presents being passed out. <laughs> because Christmas Santa is canceled stuck, at this point. Santa stuck in Dayton. <laughs> is on some little, you know, crime spree, whodunit. And no cookies are being eaten. No milk is being drank. And also, they broke into her apartment and didn't steal her computer. Okay. Yeah, right. Exactly. Dylan hides in the back of security guy's SUV as he leaves Avery house, only to hop out at the garage where Chris and Avery have just left. So Dylan's now at the garage. Chris and Avery have gone off. They, Chris and Avery, find a church, and they see a taxi there, but they keep having to dodge the bad guys. So 
To do so, they hop in a truck and they steam up the windows instantly with a fairly steamy smooch. That plan works. She gets on top of him. Straddles him in the front seat. And that plan works in more ways than one. Wink, wink. <laughs> I could not believe I was watching Hallmark when this happened. This I had to look little... my pearls. This is a little... Very steamy. Very steamy. It was... Literally, figuratively... Yeah. Wow. Couldn't believe they did this in a Hallmark movie. First of all, back in the day... They wouldn't smooch until minute, you know, like one hour one, nine. Exactly. So we're getting a like over halfway point hustle in the car. You can't even find the words. Like that. <laughs> I love that. It was like that scene in Titanic. <laughs> it might as well have been. Yeah. When they steam up the windows. Yeah, it works. It was expecting like an though. imprint, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Security guy is like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, my bad," and walks away, and all of that. Sort also, of there was a guy asleep in the back of the truck. Yeah, which was kind of weird because Avery then grabs the guy's cell phone, holds it up to his face to do the facial recognition to unlock it, and then uses the phone. It's very just like. Okay. And he just Ooh. snores on. He must snores have been away. real tired. Yeah. Maybe he had too much, much eggnog. wonder how much that extra made for that role, because that would be a pretty fun role to play, I would think. Guy yeah. sleeping in the back. Uh, Hallmark. We're willing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep our eyes closed while there's yeah. steamy makeout sessions happening in the front seat. Seriously. Anyway, Bad Santa and his female accomplice are also on the way to that drop-off location. They steal a car to get there. Avery gets a look at the woman waiting for the drop, and she puts it all together. She recognizes that woman. It turns out it's a charity accounting scam that reaches all the way to the mayor's office. So she is excited. She's going to blow this thing wide open. Bad Santa and his partner get pulled over by Dayton police because the vehicle they're in has been reported as stolen, and they are officially busted. We're done with them. They're done in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no more of that. Bye. Yeah, Chris and Avery make it back to her house, which has been ransacked, of course, by security guy looking for the flash drive. She loads up the flash drive that she has, but Chris is worried because dad, Santa, is on the way to give him a talking to for the ages. She's super encouraging to him in this moment, and she wants to help make it right. So he goes in for another kiss, but here comes Santa swooping down the chimney, and Chris asserts himself and says he will get the job done. You can trust me, Santa. They have a tender father-son moment. <laughs> There's a lot happening at this point in the movie. <laughs> zip, zip, zip. Exactly. <laughs> That's how I felt. Whiplash. This is a whiplash yeah. kind of movie here. Yeah. Avery pieces it all together. Just as the mayor walks right into Avery's house, Santa gives a full-on talking to for the ages, and the police are there to arrest the mayor. So if you think it's over... It's not. Avery now has 14 minutes to make it to her anchor debut on the award-winning Channel 71 News. Live, local, late-breaking coverage you can count on for the people of Dayton. She only has six (laughs) minutes to make it to the anchor desk. So Santa flies her there on the sleigh with the reindeer. She runs through the newsroom, happens to grab a green blazer off some rack that just happens to fit perfectly and she delivers the breaking news to the people of Dayton on Christmas morning, who apparently in the midst of having tender family moments, decide to turn on the news to find out what's going on in the world like we all do, right? I mean, if there was a a criminal at large dressed up like Santa, I guess I would. 
Maybe, maybe. Anyway, the newsroom goes absolutely wild, and she is rewarded with the weekend anchor gig again in Dayton, Ohio. She's celebrating the news when Chris shows up with a pair of boots and a standing invite to visit her up north at the North Pole. So the news anchor, to recap, is now most certainly dating Santa Claus, and they smooch as snow flutters all around, and then they decide to take the sleigh to Bali, of course, for breakfast. Okay, it is time for our gold or coal segment. If you're new to the pod, we each bring three gifts. If there's more gold, it's a slam dunk conviction. If there's more coal, it's a cold case. And if it's a tie, it's just a Merry Christmas. Josh, what are you bringing to the pod? I am giving some gold. I thought that the whodunit subplot of this was really a fun little thing. I liked the mystery aspect as much as it was sort of annoying to deal with this flash drive thing over and over and over again. I was sort of intrigued to be like, okay, who who is tied into this dumb flash drive we keep hearing about? And so I wanted to see it unfold, and I liked how it all came together. So gold for me out of the gate. I'm going to give some coal. It was a little hard to follow and maybe maybe it was my trip to fan again. But it there were a lot of characters, a lot of bad guys running around and zipping around and bad guys that were really bad but we thought they were good guys, the security officers and blah blah blah. blah. It's it was a little confusing at times for my I will point. totally so. agree with that. Yes. I'm going to give some gold for the leads here. I thought their chemistry was good. She was rightfully suspicious of him he was doofy and tender throughout and really did a good job i thought in his role his voice really sounded like what you would think santa's son would sound like weirdly enough and so i bought their chemistry and that that smooch again was pretty pretty steamy wowzers wowzers yeah i will give some gold for i thought they had really good comedic timing because this could have been super heavy and dark and probably been on movies and mysteries, but it was lighter. It was a little zany. And I thought they had some funny moments. And this was actually one of my, if not my favorite, Luke McFarlane role. He can be a little heavier sometimes, but I thought he, I liked him in the funnier side. So gold. I agree. Yeah. I am also going to give some gold because I thought this was literally a thrill a minute. Sometimes these movies don't keep my attention for the entire two hours and I get a little bit bored in the third act. This one did not. It definitely, the energy kept going and going and going and I thought it climaxed at the right moment in the right way and I thought it was really a satisfying story arc. So gold for the thrills a minute. Very good. So I have one more gift. What am I going to do? I will give it gold because I really liked it. I think this was a big swing for Hallmark. I saw some negative response on the internet because it does not follow the normal stereotypical formula. But whereas with Where Are You Christmas, they took a big swing and didn't really hit it. I think with this one, they took a big swing and they nailed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I would watch it again. And it is something different from the big bad developer trope. Now Absolutely. we have a flash drive trope, I guess. So, well, but go. I'm here for it. Yeah. So yeah. again, to recap, the final score on this one for us, five gold, one coal. We're going to call it a slam dunk conviction. Again, really fun. Kind of an interesting story. Definitely a lot of laughs, a fair amount of heart, and some good tender moments too. Really 
kind of the total package in a lot of ways for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it checked all my boxes. So I enjoyed it. I was happy watching it. Yeah, no complaints. Well, except I didn't give one piece of coal, but mostly Minor. no complaints. <laughs> <laughs> and that, friends, is another episode of Do You Watch What I Watch? Special thanks, as always, to our good friend Nick Shores for our theme song and, of course, to you for taking the time to listen and to watch. Hey, if you like our podcast, please give us a review, tell a friend, subscribe, watch us on YouTube, do all the things. You can follow us on Instagram, give us a comment, tell us what you're watching, because we have not watched all of the new movies yet, or at least I shouldn't speak for you. I have not been working my way through them, so tell us what's good, what we're not talking about, and you can follow along at doyouwatchwhatiwatch.com. Next time, we're recapping and reviewing Hallmark's new movie, Haul Out the Holly, colon, lit up. Here's the plot summary. As the holidays approach, Emily and Jared are looking forward to celebrating the holidays together again. Well, that's about the lamest synopsis I've ever heard for a sequel to a major movie last year. All right. Well, we will have much to discuss. And until then, may your days be merry and bright. We'll catch you next time.